Morning, Sam. Morning. Morning. My task here today is to introduce my good friend, Sheriff Kego Taylor. But if I may just straight for one second to acknowledge my family who has uh, taken so good care of me and they're here today, just stand up for, for a minute. My youngest daughter who lives in D.C. flew, got a flight last night, got here at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I just want to acknowledge that. My job is to introduce my good friend, uh, my brother, uh, my friend of over 40 years, Sheriff Kibo Taylor. Uh, we refer to each other as just family. Excuse me, I almost forgot my eyes. <laughs> sheriff Kibo Taylor was elected Gwinnett County's first African-American sheriff on November 3, 2020. Sheriff Taylor's illustrious career in law enforcement was marked by many firsts. A native of Lawrenceville, Georgia, Sheriff Taylor joined the Gwinnett County Police Department in 1983. His 29 years of law enforcement experience included serving in undercover investigations, which encompass the Criminal Investigations Division and the Special Investigations Section. By 1994, Taylor was assigned to the FBI Drug Task Force. In 1995, he became the first African-American promoted to the rank of sergeant. He continued his career as a supervisor in the Uniform Division. Taylor also served as a first-line supervisor in special operations, the COPS program, and criminal investigations narcotics squad. In 2000, Taylor was promoted to lieutenant and served as unit commander leading the Gwinnett County Drug Task Force. By 2007, Taylor received his appointment as major. He was the first African-American within Gwinnett County Police Department to achieve the rank of major. As major, he managed both the East and South precincts. <laughs> Sheriff Taylor credits a major portion of his career advancement to his educational and professional development. He holds a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from Mercer University and a master's degree in public administration from Columbus State University. He received certification in intermediate advanced supervision and management through the Georgia Peace Officer Standards and Training Council, POST. Sheriff Taylor is also a certified general post instructor, a graduate of the Georgia Law Enforcement Command College, class number 10, a graduate of the DEA Drug Unit Command Academy, and a certified crisis intervention trainer. Sheriff Keebel Taylor took office January 1st, 2021. Sheriff Taylor's first days in office were marked by an end of the 287G program, the dissolution of the litigious rapid response team, the installation of an anti-gang unit, and the implementation of the Trafficking and Child Exploitation Unit. Sheriff Taylor resides in Buford, Georgia, and is the proud parent of three children and eight grandchildren. After our next selection from our magnificent men's choir, we will hear from my friend, my brother, Sheriff Kibo Taylor. Morning, so. Y'all got to help me out now. I'll say that one more time. Good morning, Salem. Good morning. Thank you. You have no idea how nervous I am. 
So let me go ahead and put the disclaimer in before I get started. I've been through a lot in my life. Uh, 40 years, if, if I had a continuous career in law enforcement, it would have been 40 years. And I've uh, been through a lot, experienced a lot. But I don't think I've uh, ever been quite as nervous in that 40 years as I am standing up here right now. <laughs> I love your pastor, okay? And there's nothing I wouldn't do for it. So when he called and asked me to do this, I was like, is there something else I can do? <laughs> Other than this. And so when I was going through it, and, and I promise you folks, I won't be here long. You know, uh, I go back to uh, my brother here, and I'm gonna talk more about all of this here in just a second. And he was like, just talk about yourself. And I'm like, no, oh, you know, you can read about me. I don't need to talk about myself. You know, but it just kept coming back to, you know, why me? You know, out of all the people you could have asked to do this, why me? Okay, and we're going to get on that a little bit longer here, a little bit more here in just a second. Y'all, join me in a quick word of prayer, and let me get started here. Lord Jesus, oh, Heavenly Father, we come giving you thanks for this day. God, I do thank you for this blessed opportunity. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Salem. I thank you for this family. I thank you for your pastor, your leader. All that he do. All that he does for this community. All that he's done for me. Trust in me. To stand in his pulpit. God, take Kibo up out of here. You feel me? You feel me with what it is that you want me to do today? Give me the words that is needed to bless your people. Oh, yes. Your people. These and all other blessings I pray in our sweet son, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We always start by giving honor to God. You know, and we don't move without giving honor to God. I'm a, I'm a little old school, but uh, that's just the way that I came up. That's what you do. And normally when we say and we talk about just how God has been good to us, um, when I say that, I like to say God has been good to us and then throw my hands up and let you fill in the blank. I know what he's been to me. But do you know what he's done to you? Amen. Pastor Haynes, I can't thank you enough. And let me just say it. I want to get through this without getting emotional up here. But, you know, you see Kipo Taylor standing up here as your sheriff. But you have no idea the work that went on behind getting Kipo here as your sheriff. We can say that that work started right here in Salem, okay? Trust me when I tell you that. Now, here comes the hard part. It ain't Deacon Dodd as my brother died. 
Any of y'all ever have that big brother, that big sister that no matter what, they don't mind telling you about yourself? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> if you're doing good, he'll call me up, hey, brother, that was a good move. If I'm not doing good, hey, brother, we need to talk. <laughs> Has no problems letting me know. He don't care if I'm sheriff. He don't care who I am. I'm still his little brother, and I love him. Morgan, it's good to see you. Tiff, Linda, bless you for taking care of my brother. Thank you. I got one other person I want to talk a little bit about before I get started here, and that's your Deacon Johnson, okay? I'll tell you a little quick story. Anybody that knows me know every morning, man, I can't get my day started without the quick trip coffee. So one morning in particular, Brian and I, we were running late trying to get down to Atlanta, and I was like, I said, man, I got to stop and get some coffee. Not really feeling the day, got to get my coffee. So when we pull up, I see these two guys standing out in the parking lot talking. And I go in, I get my coffee, I come back out, and they're still standing out there talking. So me being me, I engage in a quick conversation, what I thought was going to be a quick conversation with them. <laughs> And so I'm standing there talking, and I kept, I'm like, is he saying deacon? You know, what is and so I kept asking. So I asked him again. I said, what is your name again? He said, Deacon Johnson. I said, so you're a deacon? He said, yes, I am. I said, so where are you a deacon at? Now, it's not what he said after I asked him that question. It's how he answered me. His head went back. His chest got tall. He said, <laughs> I'm a member of Salem Missionary Baptist Church with the Honorable Richard B. Haynes. But you could hear it all over Swanee when he said it. And I'm sitting there like, I guess you have no idea of my relationship with your pastor. Little did I know, I, I was going to tell you, Pastor, about it when I saw you in private. And little did I know that I would have this opportunity up here to, to do and talk about that. But if you ever had a walking billboard for Salem Missionary Baptist Church, <laughs> you got him. As I said, September will be almost 40 years in the business. And, you know, and I'm not going to tell no stories, man. I'm nervous up here. I'm anxious up here. I'm a lot anxious up here. And, you know, I labored over this. You know, what am I going to talk about? You know, kept reading the scripture. Couldn't really, you know, just wasn't coming to me. And, you know, it just, but, the, the, but one thing that just kept coming back, kept coming back, why me? Why me? So, you know, that was the beginning of about two or three drafts on what I was going to talk about up here. And I can't tell you how many title changes I've had uh, getting into this. But I want to read the scripture here real quick. And then we won't keep you long here, I promise. Ephesians chapter 5. Put these eyes on. Verses 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, 
Find out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. May God always add that blessing to the reading of his word. I want to talk a little bit and, um, about the sermon, excuse me, not a sermon, not a sermon, not a sermon, don't get me wrong, the message. <laughs> I learned to respect and not play with God. Okay. <laughs> um, the sermon, excuse me, the message topic for the day is when you are chosen by God, will you answer God's call? Back here a few months ago, I had the privilege uh, to have lunch and dinner with Mayor Andrew Young. And it was myself and a group of other sheriffs and some other law enforcement uh, officers there. And it was just uh, an opportunity for us to sit down and share, listen, and just learn. And if you ever get the opportunity to listen to him, listen to him in person, it's an enlightful thing. So he started telling us about the story of Dr. King. He told us that when Dr. King got out of school, uh, Daddy King had a vision, plans for him, but Dr. King didn't want to follow those plans. So what he did was he left Atlanta and went to, uh, I believe it was Birmingham, somewhere in Alabama. It's in a church, and some of y'all may know this story a whole lot better than me. But he was standing at the copy machine running copies when the two church leaders, and I always like to tell this story, might have been you know, a Methodist preacher and a Baptist preacher, and they were arguing over who was going to actually lead the movement, lead us into what we see today and, and all of the works that we have seen from Dr. King. So when they couldn't come to an agreement, they both decided, well, Dr. King, you're going to be the one to lead this movement. So you see, Dr. King had no idea or it wasn't in his vision at that time that that was his, that was his life's work. So when he told me that story, two things went through my mind. I wanted to know what went through Dr. King's mind when he was chosen to do that. I also wanted to know what type of copy machine did they have back there in that time and what kind of work could you actually get done on that, on that, um, on that. <laughs> Pastor Haynes, I remember the very first conversation that you and I had. Uh, we were at an event that was hosted by the Ebony Society where they were honoring you for the work that you've done in the community. I must admit, at that time, I wasn't aware of your work. I didn't know what type of impact that you had had on this community. And over the years, our path had continued to cross, and you may or may not remember a conversation that you and I had one day up at the courthouse. Now, I can't tell you for the life of me what we were doing up at the courthouse, but uh, I can tell you that Deacon Dodd was there with us. And let me just stop right there and say something. Everybody talk about me being the first sheriff. 
And I know y'all have heard stories about who's been the first chief around here in Gwinnett County. But I'm going to give you a little piece of history. I'm going to tell you from somebody who lived it here, who's been here forever doing this. Bill Dodd was the first chief running things in law enforcement here in, the, in Gwinnett County. I don't care what you heard. I don't care what you've been told. I'm telling you standing here right now from the fact that I experienced what that was, okay? But in our conversation, you made a statement to me. And you said, you need to be the sheriff of Gwinnett County. Now, <laughs> I wanted to say, you're right. <laughs> Do you know what I have gone through just to get to the point that I had gotten to, you know, just in being the police, being in the police department? And I was thinking that these folks here will never, ever entertain the thought of me being sheriff here in this county. But you see, God gave you the vision for my life, even before you revealed it to me. Good news. And you accepted that vision for me and didn't give up on me. Didn't give up on me when I had already given up on myself for my own future. So when I, like I said a couple of times here, God just kept bringing me back to why choose me? What was it in me that God saw? Why me? We all have heard people say that God is just using me, us. We hear and we learn it in our songs of praise to God. So I'm not standing here telling you anything that you haven't heard before. But do we really take the time to truly try and understand why God chooses us for what it is that he wants us to do? Pastors are chosen by God to lead his people, to lead his church. Now, I learned that early on as a young boy growing up in the church. But do we ask why God chooses one person and not another? In sports, athletes are chosen for a particular sport based upon their physical attributes to play the game or whatever the event may be. Anyone who follows sports can tell you about the amount of time that is spent training and preparing their bodies. But do we ever stop to say why did one person make it and another one didn't? Why would one God give one person the attributes needed and not another? Why would one person go to med school and become a world-renowned doctor doing medical procedures on a cutting-edge level and another person can't even get their foot into med school? Why are some folks chosen to teach and educate our children, have the ability to inspire future leaders and doctors and lawyers, future leaders of the free world? Now, when I started this journey almost 40 years ago, I had no idea what God had planned for my life. You see, you're looking at somebody who was the last person hired in his academy class, all right? They called me up on a Friday. And at that time, man, you had to have somebody to intervene on your behalf. So someone had intervened on my behalf. They called me on a Friday and asked me if I could start work that Monday. I didn't have a job, I didn't have any money, had no vision, no direction, so I'm like, yeah, I, whatever it's gonna take for me to get, there, to get to work on Monday, I'll be there. 
I got to the academy. Me being me, 23 years old. Didn't apply myself. The academy director called me in and said, if you fail one more test, we're going to kick you out of the academy. Now, granted, we ain't even gotten to the hard part. <laughs> Couldn't drive fast. Wasn't a precision driver. Couldn't shoot well. Wasn't a precision shooter. Didn't know nothing about math, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out there and, and do the work of calculating how to uh, actually work complex accidents out here. But God's, it, 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 the doubt started to creep in. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe I started to think, maybe this is not for me. But God saw something in me and kept me. So I got to go back again and ask, why did he choose me? What was it in me that God saw? We started to do, Kibo was doing what Kibo does best. Experience a little hardship, a little failure. And I started to let that doubt really just creep in. But as the song says, God kept me. The book of John, chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And that that fruit shall remain. That whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give you. So again, I ask again, why me? I got three points here I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to go to my seat here. Point number one, we must learn to listen to what God is telling us. As a kid, we're taught how to pray. We learn how to ask God for whatever it is that we want. But I know for myself, I did not know how to stop, be quiet, and listen to what God was saying to me. I'm sure my conversations with God went something like this. God, I want. God, I need. Why won't you give me what I'm asking for? I'm sure God was on the other end saying that if you stop interrupting me <laughs> and listen to what I'm trying to say, you can have what you ask for and more. All right. All right. The point that I'm trying to make here is that I did not know the difference between praying to God versus listening to God. When we pray, most of us, we got that down pat. Some of us know how to start our prayers out by giving thanks. And then we quickly transition to that list of things that we want to ask God for. God help us if we find ourselves in trouble. We really know how to pray then. Some folks will tell you that they do their best praying when they're down and out. But do we really know how to stop and just listen to what God is saying to us? Do we have that quiet space to hear and receive the message from God? Since becoming sheriff, uh, it's a job. Almost every night when I would lay down and go to bed, I would have so much on my mind. So when I would finally get off to sleep, every night between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, I'm wide awake. And I'm pushing. 
I got to get back to sleep. I got a couple more hours. I got to get up and go to work. That's all I could think about. Then one night I realized that God was giving me the answers to my problems during that time. So I realized that that was my quiet time to stop and listen. Stop trying to force myself back to sleep and listen to what God was trying to tell me. That's when I started to receive the peace that I needed to get through this. Point number two. Told you I won't be here long. Is what we hear God's will for our lives or our own will for our own lives? I can remember folks sometimes would come up to me in the church and say something like, God told me to tell you. You ever heard that before? And me being typical Kivo, well, God didn't tell me that. But now that I see the bigger picture, and I'm not saying that they were wrong and I was right, or I was right and they were wrong, but maybe it was because I was forcing my own will on my life instead of being open and receptive to the will of God for my life. I can remember that during my time in the police department, how hard, and, and I would physically go to the altar, and how hard I prayed for God to help me get the appointment to the rank of major. Making rank in Gwinnett County Police Department was another story for another day. This went on for years. And I think now maybe God had a sense of humor. Because I believe that that conversation went something like this. Be careful what you ask for. Once I got that rank and everything else that came along with it, I was like, can I give it back? God is like, now that I have your attention, are you willing to listen to what I'm saying? Are you willing to trust me and, let, and, and, and be, let me be on my timeline time instead of your timeline? Listen to the promises that I have intended for you. You see, if we don't get what we want when we want it, the way we want it, the narrative becomes one of doubt in God. We think that we know what's best. But when we start to doubt God's plan for us, we start to work harder on our own individual plans for ourselves. We don't allow God to direct our path, to guide our steps. But instead, we put all of our time and efforts into our own personal plans. So I say again, it's what we hear, God's will for our lives, or is our own will for our own lives? Third and final point. Prepare for warfare. Men, I'm talking to us. Women, I'm also talking to you too. Once we learn to listen to, in, 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 to God and accept his will, we must then get ready and prepare for warfare. Tell you a little story. I remember the night that President Obama was elected president of the United States. And if you were like me, you had a hard, I had a hard time trying to express the joy of that moment, what I felt. I felt as though this country was finally ready to move forward with a sense of unity. 400 years of progress accumulated into one historic night. 
Wasn't a week later, Mitch McConnell got up there and said that it was his mission to make this man a one-term president. Let me bring it closer to home. I remember the night that I won the election. Once again, I can't, I can't explain how I felt. But little did I know that there was people that went to work. But let me go back and say this before I say that. I felt like Gwinnett County had finally came together and we were on a path to move Gwinnett County in a direction, in a direction that God had given us the vision to do. Little did I know that there was some people. They didn't wait a week. They went to work that night. <laughs> Make me a one-term share. Learn very quickly we was in a battle. <laughs> a battle that we're still in and we're still fighting that battle today. You see, when you answer God's call, that's when the devil gets real busy. You have to prepare for the tests and the challenges ahead. Along the journey, there was times when I allowed the test to be bigger than my testimony. And I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about nobody else. I'm talking about Kibo right now. But the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, one more time, I'm not saying anything up here that you've not heard before. God never promised that his will would be an easy one. He never promised us that every day was going to be in our perspective as to what we see a good day. But in John 16, verse 24, he promises joy and that that joy may be full. And what Jesus was saying is, is no matter what you're going through, trust and believe that God will give you peace. The peace that you need to get whatever situation that you're going through, whatever test that you may be facing. I remember listening to Pastor Jesse Kearney preach a series on fearless people. And he talked about how when you're armored up with the spirit of the Lord, you manage conflict differently. So have you ever met someone that no matter whatever it is, whatever the situation is that they're going through, you just can't shake them? Just recently, I had a conversation with Pastor Shields, and he told me, and I was going through one of my moments, I'm not going to, you know, it was one of those times the doubts was creeping in, you know, am I going to make it, what am I going to do here? And he told me that as long as I took care of God's work, God would take care of whatever I needed to do to do his work. Conclusion. Men. In case you haven't noticed it, right now we're in warfare today. The spirit of the Antichrist is present and real. We have leaders in place that no more care about the common decency, much less the will of God. Some folks carry that spirit and will do all that they can to feed it and make it grow. We as a society, we keep moving the bar farther and farther away from decency to justify the mess that these people bring to the table every day. I ain't going to call his name, but I think when I talk about what I'm getting ready to say, everybody's going to know who I'm talking about. If the actions of this one particular person had been with one of our past leaders, 
it will be unmanageable. The efforts that the Antichrist, the spirit of that Antichrist is tearing this country apart would have just completely destroyed everything that we had ever worked for in that accumulation of 400 years of progress. We're in warfare against the spirit that wants to pretend that our history of oppression never existed. And if you dare to teach it about it in our schools, help you. We're on the warfare against senseless violence. Our children have to learn each day under the threat that at any time someone with that evil spirit could come in and shoot up our innocent children for whatever reason, for no reason. Men, I'm talking to us. We are in warfare to know and understand our role as men. Warfare to confuse us as to who and what it is that God had intended for us. People, I'm here to tell you today. I believe that the spirit of Christ is greater than the spirit of evil. Men, understand something. God chose us to be men. God chose us to be men. God chose us to be men. Deuteronomy chapter 20 tells us that when we go out to battle against our enemies and we see where we're outnumbered, that the Lord our God is with us. So you see, any time that we study warfare, we understand that the side with the greatest number of warriors, with the best equipment, normally stands the best chance of winning. But when you have God on our side, we don't have to be afraid. The word tells us that we don't have to let our hearts tremble. For the Lord, your God, is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So as we learn to walk in the light, God assures us of his promise for us. When we walk in the light, we have the promise that of God that no weapon formed against us has any, any, any chance to prosper. Trust in him. No matter what your situation is, trust in him. Believe in him. Let him guide your path. Trust and learn and understand that we don't have the answers. But we're going to trust in something that is beyond our understanding. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for the battle of warfare against this darkness. Thank you. testimony of what God has done I was talking to our brother 
back in the back and when I was here as a teenage student, graduated in a class of 900 Bergmont High School with 10 African-American folks. When I came here, I wonder in the world, what did my father bring me to? But I came to learn because of our relationship in the body of Christ that no matter how many are out there that may be against you, if the Lord is for you, nothing or no one can stand against you. And so that is a testimony that we give you to this day. If you would just stand on your feet, that our God is calling you unto himself. Thank God he's got his uniform on. The Bible says this, Christ is the end of the law to anyone that believeth. In other words, the very goal of life is to find him. And in him, your whole life can be lived. And so we invite you to come to give yourself to him. The Bible simply declares, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's simple. All you got to do is give yourself to him, and he'll give the whole world to you. So come on. That we'll have our preachers come out into the aisle and if you feel that you can't even walk by yourself somebody will walk with you come on somebody give yourself to Jesus Christ and he'll transform your life even if you are the last one picked in your academy amen said he would do stand by his word he will come through God will do what he said he would do stand by his word for no weapon come on come on Give your life to you're already saved and you need a church home Salem Church has her arms open wide one of God's greatest churches if you want to join you can also come amen you may be seated Stand by your word. 
Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise for our sheriff. Amen. See, somebody can't appreciate that. You've been in Gwinnett County a couple years, but give God praise for our sheriff. A, a sheriff that looks like you and me in Gwinnett County. Lord have mercy. Amen. Thank God for, thank God for his convictions. I have seen him a couple times at Quick Trip. I don't drink coffee. I'm getting something else. Amen. But I have seen him. And I've also had conversations with Conrad Johnson. And you got to keep walking, Brother Taylor. You got to keep walking. You just got to speak and keep on walking. Amen. Because he'll keep you there. <laughs> Our pastor's going to come and then we'll go into our time of prayer get your offering together amen get your i see y'all smiling i think i love get your offering together get ready to give amen i got mine in my pocket get your offering together amen now this <laughs> This is what you want your sheriff's Bible to look like. God bless the Lord. This. <laughs> I, I saw this when the first thing I saw when I walked in this morning. I said, man, that, that Bible is ragged. He said, yeah, it was, it was new when I was sworn in. <laughs> now, I've been preaching for over 40 years now, and I've worn out a lot of Bibles, but I, I don't bring them to the pulpit when they're... <laughs> When they weigh out, I get me another one to bring to the pulpit. I, I understand because now when I go home and study, I know where everything is in this one. But when I come to the pulpit, I just bring something y'all could look at. God bless you. Sir. Have we been blessed today? Have we been blessed today? I thank God for what God has done. Nobody but the Lord, nobody but the Lord could have brought this county to the place where we are right now. I thank God for Kebo Taylor. Amen. I thank God for Bill Dodd, for how he has kept him. <laughs> this has been a wonderful team to watch over these years. I've watched Bill groom the sheriff. I've watched him literally put him in office. 
And I've watched him even after he got in office. I see that relationship, and I, I thank God for it. Everybody needs that kind of support. Y'all, y'all, some of y'all don't know it. Y'all, some of y'all don't know it. <laughs> All right now. Well, that's the sheriff now. <sighs> don't y'all let him praise God by himself. Don't let him praise God by himself. Jesus, blessed Savior, he is worthy. Come on here. Let's bless the Lord with him. He's worthy to be praised. Come on here. Pray, come on here. Praise him. Praise him. Come on here. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus. Blessed Savior. He's worthy to. and praise him.
We were getting ready for the offering. All right, that's all right. God said, not yet. Not yet. 
I just believe. I just believe that just because of that moment, just just because the sheriff, just because God moved the sheriff who, who was invited here today, I, I believe because of that spark, somebody. Oh, I know invitation is over with. I know that. I know it's that's already behind us. I know it's behind us. But I just believe that somebody's heart, somebody who sat back down and they were saying, you know, I wish I had gone on. I wish I had, I wish I had moved today. I wish I had gone and accepted. Somebody said that. And what I want you to know is that God moves in mysterious ways. He's giving you another chance. Without any fanfare, we ain't got to bring out no chair. We ain't got to do none of that. But if that's you, 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 you feel like you missed your chance. You feel like you missed your chance. But God is just giving you another chance. Somebody ought to be moving right now. Somebody bless the Lord.
Remember when my mother was here? During that time, I was taking care of her. I was going through treatment, radiation treatment for cancer.
only with the blessing of God and a faithful, hard-working wife. She had to take care of me through those two, and that time when my mother was here, she was taking care of my mother at the same time. All glory goes to her. That God provided her and gave her the strength to deal with all of that. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Salem family. Thank God for all of his blessings and his mercy. I'm about to go through three months of procedures, and I know the Salem family will be there with me. We're asking for your prayers. Thank you. Amen. 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 Come on, come on, come on. If you come on, come on. Everybody's standing. Stretch my hand to thee, for there is no other help that I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, oh, whither shall I go? God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Father, we come. First of all, to say thank you, thank you Lord. for all that you have done this day. But truly, you've been good to us. You allow us to go through this worship experience. You allow the God-man to give his testimony. And we want to thank you first of all for him, for all that you have done 
done for him and his position that he holds. For you are a great God. You're able to do all and more than we can ever dream of. That's right. You're just that kind of God. Oh, yes, sir. We honor you. We praise you. We lift you up. But there is none like you. There's no God beside you. You can do exceedingly above all that we can ask to think. And Father, we come right now asking that you would, as you stand over this waiting congregation, and as we lift up our holy hands to you, to give you the thanks, the praise, and the glory that you deserve. We honor you today. We honor you in our lives. We ask that your will be done in each and every one of these that have come before you. And Father, there are some uh, sick among you, among this congregation. You know them all by name. And we just ask that you would look upon them and have mercy for Jesus' sake. Have mercy, O God, on those that are lame and some are in hospitals and some are in nursing homes. But you are able to bless to the uttermost. We ask you to lay your hands upon those that are sick and afflicted and heal in your time, in your given time. You're able to do all that we can ask a thing. And Father, we just lift up our hands and ask you to look upon them and have mercy for Jesus. And Father, remember the men of this congregation. Remember them, O God, as we go about our daily lives. And remember the gift that you have given us, that we will perform our gift in a like manner unto you. We praise you. We give you all of the glory and the honor that's due your name. There is no God beside you. You are almighty God. And beyond almighty, there is nothing beyond that. We give you all of the praise, the glory, and the honor. Bless as only you can. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And when we have finished this congregation, as we have finished this worship service, we ask that you would be with us, guide and direct us as we go forth into our different direction, into our different homes. Go with us, guide and lead and direct in all that we say and do. And we'll be careful to give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. In him, amen and amen.
before we move into benediction, I'm going to do this. Um, this is a day that we celebrate our men. And we want to give, uh, we have a wonderful aggregation of not only staff members, cell pastors who daily are working in ministry. But we want every single man who works in ministry, the, the majority of ministry folk work as volunteers. And we want every man that volunteers in ministry and serves in ministry just to stand up so we can give honor to you in this little body. Every single one. Amen. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. I just want to say, I, I know I'm in between you, you all going to dinner, and my conversation should be very short. I want to thank, first of all, give honor and glory to Almighty God, Jesus Christ. I want to give honor to our pastor, uh, to Pastor Jason, uh, to, to our First Lady, uh, Bev, to this church. I also want to give honor to our Sheriff Kibo Taylor who came by and did a, a, a marvelous job. Thank you. <laughs> marvelous job. God bless you. I want to thank every man who participated in the program today. Everybody from the AV squad to, to, to the male chorus to Bush, uh, with his chorus working so hard, to the male ushers, to the, to the deacons, to those who were on program today. To, to the parking lot with parking lot ministry. I want to say any, I want to talk, I want to challenge the men. Every man here who is not a part of a ministry, I would like you to, to challenge yourself and become part of ministry. Become part of ministry. Everybody, all of you all should know somebody in the choir. If you know them, just say, I'd like to become part of meal chorus. Uh, if you know a meal usher, I want to become a meal usher. We love, we need parking lot people. If you don't want to talk to those people, come and talk to me. I will place you somewhere. <laughs> I will place you somewhere. The last thing I will say is the parking lot, there was this uh, guy there, Carl Vest, who you see driving the court around every week. Carl came to me and told me, he said, he wanted something to do within the ministry. Lord have mercy. That's how he became the parking lot. And so when this came up, when I, when I, when I spoke with Pastor about trying to reinstitute that, that ministry, I thought about Carl. I called him up, he said, I'll be glad to do it. And so every Sunday, he's out there along with Deacon James Crawford, there in that parking lot. So there is a place for you. Please come to me. I'll be glad to place you. Thank you. Thank God. We're going to have our clerk to come and just introduce those who have come to our saint, our family today. Brother Haynes, we have Vanessa Fanner coming from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Also, Freddie Dixon coming from Covenant Ministries in Decatur, Georgia. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Give God praise for both of those. Give God praise. Both have come. Thank God. Uh, just, I know, I know, uh, and we're on that. Can I, can I just one, just, just one word of thanks to Brother Phil. Uh, we weren't going to close this service without hearing Brother Phil. He is a motivator. And I just wanted, as the pastor, to thank him for all that he does in motivating all of the men of this church. Y'all bless the Lord for Brother Phil. <laughs> Amen. And Sister Phil. <laughs> That's her time we're using. <laughs> Amen. I know earlier we, we gave honor to those um, couples who are celebrating um, anniversaries in the month of August. We, we, did, we failed to mention one. Deacon Ron Reeves and Sister Linda Reeves are celebrating 49 years of marriage. Give them God praise for them. Amen. Amen. Just rest to your feet. God be with you. Till we meet again. Sheriff Taylor, thank you so much again, brother. Thank you so much. Get somebody and tell them, hey, God, God be with you. May God, may he be with you. May God, God be with you until we submit your tithe and offering online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give on cash app at dollar sign the church with zeal via the givelify app by mail to salem missionary baptist church p.o box 817 lilburn georgia 30048 or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give. 
online, GiveLify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.